friends, it's Monique Scripp, and you are listening to the Fierce Identity Podcast. I'm a business leadership coach, and I come alongside women in business, specifically helping them overcome their roadblocks so that they can make an impact and an income. We do one-on-one coaching, group coaching, or you can be part of our Elevate coaching community. Sit back and enjoy our honest conversation. Well, hello. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. So this is Monique here, and I am here with our lovely guest today, Miss Heather Frazier. Heather, how are you doing? Good, Monique. Thanks for having me on. This is really exciting. Yes. I cannot tell you how excited I am that we are doing this <laughs> because there are some people who I follow on Instagram and I am just continually inspired by the things that they share. And you are one of those people. Like everything oh, you thank share, you. I feel like I learn a little bit about it. So can you tell our audience a little bit about you, what you do, a little bit about your family, all of that? Yeah. Um, I spent my childhood in Idaho catching lizards and frogs and snakes and just having a good time. And then I, you know, grew up and my husband and I spent 10 years living all around the country. And I, for the majority of my parenting, I just have been a stay at home mom and we have four kids Two. Can I interrupt you for just a second? Not just not just to stay home. That's true. That's true. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I definitely love being a mom and um, making my home amazing. And so we have four kids. We have uh, three daughters and a son. And then we also have a couple of children that we met in their early twenties and we just love them so much that we count them as our kids too. So I have two non-bio kids that I totally love. And, um, as far as coming into coaching, I always, because I loved homemaking so much, I always thought that I was really good at it until my oldest hit about the age of 13. And it seems like our house was just off for a really long time. And this went on for two or three years and I struggled to know what was going on and how to be able to help her. And of course, like every good mom, I blamed myself for all of her struggles because if, if we can take ownership of it, then we can fix it. Right. Right. So I was struggling in my relationship with her and then I found a life coach who was really helpful And then one of the kids that we have since taken on as our own, she is our oldest, the same oldest daughter, one of her best friends, and she got kicked out and came to live with us during my daughter's senior year. And seeing how she interacted with her parents and then also with my other children, having their friends come over and hearing what's going on in their homes, I just saw a lot of discord between parents and teens that I was able to conquer because of a good coach. And I came firsthand with this girl that was living with us who I just love like a daughter. And I wanted to be able to help her and her family. And so I became a life coach so that I could help parents 
love their teens because I love teenagers. They're super fun. And so I think everybody should know the ins and outs because they're kind of a different little creature for a while. And so there's a lot going on and I love it all. And that's why I do what I do. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, and I love to hear you say that you love teenagers because I really think that is like the best (laughs) age. Um, I remember when our oldest, yes, when our oldest became a teen, I just thought, I love this. Like we're in a stage where we can have mature conversations. We can be more open about things. It's just a different season. Sometimes you also feel like all of the hard work that you've put in them finally is starting to pay off because they're able to be a little more independent and things like that. So I love that you were also able to find a solution to that relationship. So were there any things when you said you reached out to a life coach, were there any things that that specific person helped you navigate through any tips? What was the best thing that helped that relationship? Yeah. Uh, accountability. So basically understanding what I was accountable or responsible for and what my daughter was accountable and responsible for and cleaning up all of the mess that not understanding that had caused. Yes. Oh man, that's huge. That's huge. And I think with that, it also helps you take the responsibility off of yourself for the things that you're not responsible for. Because as a mom, there are things that we're responsible for, but there are things that as our kids are getting older that they need to take on. Um, I like to call it not making their bed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting because when they're really little, we do do everything for them. You know, we change their diapers, we put them to bed, we clothe them, we do literally everything. And so it's an interesting transition because eventually we'll do very little to nothing for them by the time they launch, right? Right. And get married and have their own family. I mean, we might help, you know, the move or with grandkids or whatever, but on a daily basis, we really are, we transition to an observer. Yes. And I think that that is a healthy, healthy thing to transition them into because the purpose of parenting is so that we can launch them to be able to be their own self-sufficient adults. So I love that. I love that you yeah. do that. So I know that you work closely with families. So your job is you are a coach who parents or who helps parents to understand that dynamic between their relationship with their children. And so what are the most common things that you notice in working with people that comes up most for families? Yeah, super easy. It's exactly what I was doing with my daughter and what all of her friends were doing to their parents and their parents doing back to them. And we all do it. That's the thing. We all want other people to be different. We want them to play by our rules of how we want them to be so that we can feel happy and successful and fulfilled. And it comes in forms like how if my child would just open up and tell me what's going on, then I could help them. We want them to be a little bit different or they need to tackle their schooling. Like I tell them or like I would, or I did, or they shouldn't be dating that person and they should be spending more time with us. They're going to graduate soon and they need to be home more right? It's all of this angst of we just aren't quite doing it right. 
Like they just aren't doing it right. And it comes from a place from wanting what is best at its best. And at its worst, it comes from fear and wanting to control and manipulate. So sometimes we think it's out of a place of love. I just love you. I just want you around. Just please come home and be with us. But we're wanting them to behave differently than they want to. And when we can shift into unconditional love, accepting them where they're at, then that's where the magic is. That's when they actually want to come home because they're not being guilt tripped. Correct. So I love that. I love about accepting them where they're at because I think that that's huge. I think that's huge for them. And even just the empowerment that that gives them, that they can be the kind of person who they are created to be because each and every one of us has different gifts also. So maybe sometimes the things that we see in our kids, we're like, we want them to do this or do that, but they have different desires and gifts and things that they are interested in that may not be in alignment. So what I hear you saying is even us as parents kind of checking our motives behind the things that we say to our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, when we can love from that unconditional and accepting place, we are loving from a more Christ-like or God-like way because that's what he does with us. He's not like, well, Monique, you need to be just a little bit more like this person. Like he didn't decide like I need to be John or whatever. Yes. So I love that. And I like that you make that comparison to, you know, the way that God looks at us is his expectations, um, you know, are not for perfection, um, but it's grace and always a chance to come back to that relationship. Yeah. So if you have to think about the things that you think would be helpful for parents to have a more intentional relationship with their children, what are the kinds of things that maybe you're doing in your home or advice that you can give for us to be more intentional about that relationship with our kids? Yeah. It's not so much actions. It's we want to focus on our thoughts because I could say, well, you need to have family dinner, you know, as often as you can, and you need to take family vacations and you should do X, Y, and Z. That's all fine and dandy if you show up to the dinner and everything is lovely. But what happens when you just got an email with your kids' grades and you know they could do better? Like family dinner maybe isn't going to be the best solution. So to have an intentional relationship with our kids, we want to have intentional thoughts about our kids because then when we show up to family dinner or whatever, we'll have our mind in order so that we can speak from that place of unconditional love, meeting them where they're at, being curious rather than wishing that their grades were a little different like what's going on? Is your workload too much? Are you having trouble with friends? Are you right? We're going to really dial in and keep it about our kid. And, um, and then when we can get our thoughts where they need to be and our beliefs about our kids, that's when you create an intentional relationship. It's not by doing a to-do list or checking boxes. Oh man, that is so powerful. That's so, I love what you just said about 
being curious instead of getting onto them, asking them why, like, why is this this way? What's causing this? Is there anything going on? Um, I'll tell you the whole grades thing. Personally, <laughs> um, I was in a situation with one of my kids when he was in sixth grade where we would get into it every day about the grades. And finally, I came to the conclusion, okay, I can either harp on him so much about his grades that maybe he improves his grades by a little bit and it affects our relationship, or I can choose to let that go for the sake of our relationship. And that was kind of an aha moment for me because I realized like some things are just not worth, like there are things that are not worth the relationship and the closeness that you can have with your child for expecting more than what they're able to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And when my kids home with when my kids come home with grades and maybe they're a little bit anxious that they don't think they're what we want to see, I always just say, "Did you do your best?" And then they'll say yes or no. And then that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. I love you know, that. If they didn't do their best, maybe we'll be like, "Well, what's going on?" You know, do you need some support? All of that kind of stuff. But grades, they actually aren't the end of the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right. And that's, I think, what I realized is, you know what? At the end of the day, are they becoming people of character? Are they yeah. good people? Are they learning life skills? Like, are they enjoying their life and having fun and all of those things? And everything else will work itself out. Yeah, totally. So, so for parents, what would you say, because I think a lot of times parents can pour into their children a lot and at times kind of neglect their own self-care. So maybe specifically speaking to moms, what would you say are some of the things that we as moms can be doing for our own self-care? Okay. The same thing. So we need to manage our thoughts. We need to be really kind and forgiving to ourselves because again, moms like to take on all of the responsibility because then their brain tells them they can fix it. So we need to drop all the judgment and we need to be kind to ourselves and we need to accept reality and we just need to put our thoughts before our actions. So again, I could say, well, you should, you know, go for daily walks or you could go to yoga, make sure you're getting enough sleep at night. And that's all lovely unless your brain won't let you enjoy any of those things. If you have so much mind drama and torment in your own thoughts, going to yoga, you're just going to be a stress case the whole time. And if you go to bed early, you're just going to lay there and not be able to sleep because your thoughts are keeping you up. So we really want to manage our brains and um, we can do that best by being curious about ourselves as, as well. Why am I thinking this? Is this actually true? Do I want to believe this about myself or about my child? Is this causing me a lot of pain to hold on to this story? That is so great. And I think that that is on point because we can be very hard on ourselves as moms. Yes. It's really easy for us to always be thinking about what we can do better. I know that I'm guilty of that. Always thinking of, okay, how can I improve? How can I be a better mom? But giving ourselves grace to say exactly what you said about your kids with their grades. Are you doing your best? Did you do yeah. your best? 
Yep. And best does not mean perfect. It means I tried with the energy that I had and the tools I was given. Oh, I love that. I love right? that. I love that with the tools I was given. And even with, you know, even just thinking of generations before, like a lot of times mm-hmm. we parent up to the level that we received modeling. And so unless we've had some life revelation on things, typically we're going to parent very similarly to our parents. And so we have to give ourselves grace that, hey, maybe the generation before me didn't know these things. And as I learn something new, I can incorporate that into my parenting and maybe into doing things differently. Yeah, totally. Even with my own children, my first, I was so baffled and confused as to why things were so chaotic and crazy. And then as I learned, like I've taken adolescent development courses, I've read a ton of material, I've taken general psychology courses and my coaching. And so now with my other kids, when they hit, like, did you know that developmentally most adolescents bottom out at around the age of 12 or 13? So looking back, it makes perfect sense that my oldest was so miserable at the age of 13. She was exactly where most 13 year olds are. I just didn't know. Right. Right? Yeah. So even understanding that and learning those things, I think are huge. And also becoming a, becoming a student of your children, learning them and learning their unique, like, does your child have ADHD? Does your child struggle with this? Does your child, you know, just kind of being aware of your specific child and understanding them on a deeper level so that if something's off, you're able to dig a little bit deeper exactly in the area that they need help in. Yeah. And if we're feeling a lot of self-blame and guilt and judgment against our child, we're not going to be able to do that as effectively. So that's why it's really important to not waste any time and energy on things that don't serve us, which is shame and blame and all of the drama and just be like, listen, I love my kid. This is the reality of the situation. How can I help them? Yeah. So one of the things I I say a lot is, so I have a fitness community of ladies, the fit sisterhood. And one of the things I tell them when somebody says, oh man, I fell off this week or I didn't work out today or whatever it is. My, my phrase is always just do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Because I think it can apply exactly to what you're saying in parenting. Like if you had a day, an off day with one of your kids, or you did something as a mom that you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that or done that, or I raised my voice, something that you feel like is not in alignment with the person who you want to be, just do the next right thing. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we're not supposed to model perfect parent for our kids because that sense sets an like an unattainable goal for them. So we want to be imperfectly perfect in the sense that when we are imperfect and we mess up and we totally botch it, we just go to them and be like, I totally messed that up. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have said that. Will you please forgive me? And then not only does that give them permission to be imperfect, which removes a lot of future shame and guilt for them, but it shows them what to do when you're not. It gives them a perfect example of how to fix mistakes. Yes. 
Yes. And apologizing is huge. Going to your it kids really and apologizing. Is. I think it shows them that we're all human and that it's okay. It models that example for them so that when they mess up, they can come to us and apologize as well. Yeah. So, so how do you think that we can help foster a relationship with our kids in the sibling relationship? How can we encourage them to have a closer relationship with their siblings? I mean, we can't. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We can't do that. Come in on, most ways. <laughs> we, we can set up rules and consequences. Like if you are teasing, then this happens. We can try and create experiences that they might enjoy together. That's why we do family vacations and, you know, family movie nights and whatever. But ultimately a relationship consists of our thoughts about another person. And we can't choose our kids' thoughts. That would be amazing if we could, but we actually can't. And so what they choose to think about their siblings is going to drive their actions. And we can try and control their actions, like, again, vacations or rules. But they're going to think whatever they want. And our realm of control is ourself actually really the only thing we have 100% control over is our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And so if we want them to know how to have a good relationship in case they ever want that, then we need to model that for them. So we can show them how to have good relationships by having them ourselves. And just an example is the best way here. And yeah, So just hearing you say that, it makes me want to just exhale. (laughs) Like, okay, that is not my responsibility. I can just take the pressure off there. No. And oddly enough, when we just stop trying to be manipulative, because that comes off as really weird. And even though they can't articulate that they don't like that, when you let go of it, they might actually like their sibling more when you stop trying to push it so hard. Yeah. I love that. That is so great. So my podcast, the name of my podcast is Fierce Identity, and identity is a huge thing for kids in so many different seasons of their life. I think when they're younger, they try to ask themselves what their identity is. I think when they're in high, middle school, high school, that's a time where, you know, they're making friends and figuring out who they are. Then when they get into adulthood, they question, what do I want to do with my life? All of that. So what are your thoughts on helping your kids form their identity and really being confident of who they are? Yeah. So here's the T. If you look at stages of psychological development, um, they are in the stage of forming an identity. And this means that they are going to try on lots of identities. This is why teenagers go from loving country music to hating country music to having one set of friends and then another. It's where they try to cuss like a sailor and then be really like they try on every kind of hat imaginable. I don't know if you remember junior high, but it you come to junior high from grade school and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened to all of you? You all are acting and looking very different than I remember in, you know, in elementary school. Yes. And so developmentally, they are searching for identity. And this is oftentimes why they will embrace or reject religions 
or uh, family traditions because they want to form their own identity. And it's very age appropriate to not be solid on a lot of as aspects of their identity because they're just trying it all on. It's like they're at a buffet and they're like, I like this, I like this, I don't like that. And so just to be solid in our love and acceptance for them and our willingness to listen and mentor them without judgment and giving them, we want to just give them just enough space that they can totally crash and burn and we're there for them to support and love them because they are humans as well. And all humans want some basic things. We all want to, to have love. We all want to have a sense of belonging and we all want a sense of connection. And so when we can do that and provide that for them, then that's the only identity that they need is I belong to this family and they're going to love me no matter what hat I try on. Mm. That is so wonderful. And that's like full circle of what you said at the beginning of just accepting them, like just meeting them where they are and accepting them. And I really like that you put it in that perspective that that is what's going on developmentally, because if we as parents can kind of step back for a second and observe, I talk about in one of my podcast episodes about like, it's like riding a roller, someone's riding a roller coaster, you don't get on, you just observe from the outside you know, you watch them do whatever they want to do, but you're not caught up in it. So I think even hearing you say that you're setting the expectation, like, okay, when they get to this age, this is what's going to happen. This is what you can expect. So if you expect it, then you're not surprised and you just love them through that season. Yeah. Yeah. Just accepting that reality that they're trying to figure things out. And you're honestly, as a parent, you are perfectly poised as a safety net and a mentor in any capacity that they might want you. I love that. I love that. And I think that gives them that security in knowing that if they have that anchor in their family, that they feel like they can do whatever it is that they want to do and then come, come back. And we're always going to be there. For them. Yeah. We can't tell our kids to shoot for the stars and be like, Oh no, honey, you might get hurt. Don't try that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So I have some rapid fire questions, Heather, that oh. um, I'm going to, I'm going to see what you answer. So I've got three questions for you. Okay. And, um, Feel free to let me know your thoughts. Okay, first question is, what is one good book that you have read recently that you would recommend? Ooh, why do they act that way? Is that what it's called? Why do they act that way? Yeah, a PhD wrote it and I can't remember his name, but you can get on Amazon. It has like little, um, it's red cover. I don't know. Okay, interesting. And it's all so it's about, it, it's very... Uh, well assimilated for the non-academic to understand psychology. Okay. Very good. So all about parenting. Yes. Parenting teens. Parenting why teens. does your teen act this way? Basically. Okay. <laughs> I am going to look that up today. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So second question is if you had a full day with no responsibilities, how would you spend your day? 
Oh man. No I kids. would wake up whenever I wanted. I hate the alarm. So I would just wake up naturally. I would probably go to a yoga class and eat yummy food and maybe spend time with people that I really love. Oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> I think you should plan a day and just do all of those I things. Know. <laughs> Take a day that off next week. amazing. I know. Okay. So last question is what does it mean to you? So let me back up. So our podcast, the Fierce Identity Podcast, mm -hmm. um, is all about uncovering roadblocks and things that come in our way and things that we can kind of work through so that we're able to make a kingdom impact. That's the purpose of kind of navigating through all of these different topics. So my question to you is, what does it mean to you to make a kingdom impact? That's an amazing question. To me, that means getting over myself. For a long time, I led a very small life because I didn't want to be wrong and I didn't want to look stupid or get embarrassed. And once I was able to get over myself, I have been able to help so many people and touch so many lives and support and love. And ironically, when I was able to get over myself, I actually gained more confidence and be and I lead a bigger life now. It's more fulfilling and enriching. That is fire. <laughs> Mic drop. There's nothing else that needs to be said. Um, I love that. I love that. And I think you're exactly right because I think part of making a kingdom impact is humbling ourselves where it's not about us. Like it's not about us anymore. Um, Absolutely. Yes, that's powerful. Well, Heather, it is a joy to have you um, on the podcast for us to be having this conversation. I, I like was writing down all these notes when you were talking. I'm definitely going to check out that book and apply some of these things to my own parenting. So this was just absolute fire. I love everything that you shared. If other people want to get in contact with you, how can they find you? Yeah, you can go to my website, heatherfraser.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Heather Fraser Coaching. And I am getting ready, Monique. I just finished wrapping up a three part parenting course that I'm going to sell for Christmas. I'm so excited. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Be so, it'll be a really affordable digital parenting course. Um, and that will also be on my website, heatherfraser.com, starting in November. That is amazing. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, if you are like, I am also taking down notes, there are several things that I took away. You guys have to check out her course because I know that that will be something that'll be a huge help. And I'm a huge believer in investing in the things that are most important. And this is definitely relationships with kids, relationship with families. That is definitely something that is so worth spending the time, spending the resources to be able to have a much better relationship in that area. Yeah, it's true. Nobody ever dies and says, man, I wish I would have done better at my job. They talk about their family. Yes. Very, very true. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Heather. You yes, have a Thank you so day. much, Monique. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fierce Identity Podcast. I'd love for you to stop and do two things right now. First of all, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. 
Secondly, go to MoniqueScript.com to find all the ways that we can stay connected. I do one-on-one coaching, group coaching, or you can be part of our Elevate coaching community. Until next time, go and make a kingdom impact.